I'd like to remind you that today's show is brought to you by AK47 MMA. Check them out. Go to ak-47mma.com. It is the Bay Area's only brick-and-mortar fight shop. They have a strong online store with everything you need to get started. If you're a fighter, you like Muay Thai, you like karate, you like to box, you like jiu-jitsu, you like MMA, everything you need. We're talking jiu-jitsu gear, fight apparel, training gear, accessories, you name it. They have it. They got really great half sizes with their jiu-jitsu belts, boxing gloves, everything you need to get your gym started. And for Inside BJJ listeners, use the discount code InsideBJJ during checkout and save a whopping 15%. Check them out. Go to ak-47mma.com. We'd like to present Not Seen Before. I think you want you want everybody to smoke weed. This is Hoist Gracie, and you're listening to the Inside BJJ Podcast. It was a shroom trip. That's racist. I'm not a racist. That's racist. I'm not a racist. This is Kurt O'Tanner. This is Inside BJJ Podcast. God damn it! Jiu-Jitsu sucks. God damn it! I think you want, you want everybody to smoke weed. You got to get right up on it, Kenny. Up on it. There's a lot of people, they come in and when they never talked into the mic, they um, have a little bit of an aversion. Like they don't want to get their mouth too close to the, like the little guard. And the... When's the last time you washed these guards, bro? I spray them down with Lysol. You can't wash. I don't think you could wash them. I put them in the washing machine. I just, I, I kind of almost get a hint of mat. Get a little bit of a spittle. Yeah, a little bit. You, you should be, he charges for that usually. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, uh, that, anyway, hey, thanks for uh, listening to the podcast. That's a really great uh, intro there, Tim. Um, so, hey, uh, this is, uh, Tim, welcome to episode 320. We're going to go back to like the original way we used to do the show. That'd be funny if I just started following the old format from like episode one, that'd be cool. But, uh, no, we're not going to do that. But I got my nephew, Kenny Freeman in the house, fresh off of his, uh, participation in the high rollers jujitsu tournament man the first tournament you ever do you do high rollers that's like that's that's great that's super great yeah that was a that, that was fun it was fun very good uh learning experience you had a nice time on yeah 100 percent. uh you so like i heard that you were there but you didn't inhale no i actually you know there's these pills going around to negate the effects oh of the no why did i why did i bring this up <laughs> as in auto. I've heard you tell the story five times now. <laughs> um, so, hey, today, uh, I don't know what's up with Big MF. I texted him, and um, he didn't text me back. I don't think he – I think he's mad at me, probably, because I'm not putting out shows at the pace that I used to. I just got a lot of things going on, man. Yeah. I've been under a lot of stress. Life. I'm stressed out, and I'm, I'm having trouble thinking about putting out shows. And... Um, <clears throat> I think Phil Baroni told him it's him or me, bro. Like, it's Tim or me. And he took his shirt off and he flexed. And he's like, there's no way Tim's ever going to look this good. And he's right. So uh, Matt said, I choose you, Phil Baroni. 
Dude, he he he's putting in work with Phil Brown. Yeah, he is. Fuck. Every I see it on Facebook. Yeah. All the, all the professional wrestling events. They're that doing he's a doing. Lot. Matt's doing a dude. Matt's doing a lot of pro wrestling, right? Sacramento, freaking it's crazy everywhere. It's nuts. His last one, did you? Oh, you were at the last one. He took a beating. Yeah, he got, he got clotheslined so hard. So hard. I think uh, I think he had one last night. Or Saturday, yeah, Saturday night. Yeah, that was in Sacramento, I'm pretty sure. Oh, it was? Yeah. That guy, he missed the Connor fight for that, I bet. Yeah, I guess he lost money on that. The Connor fight? Yeah. I he bet Connor. I, he bet Connor. You know, I t- was telling people that I wanted Connor to win, but I, if, I, if I had to bet, I would have bet on Khabib. Yeah, you know. I, I felt like Khabib was going to win. Khabib wrestled bears. I'm sure everybody's been over this. It's, how do you have fear a human? You've been <laughs> wrestling bears, dude. He was locking up his legs every time they yeah. went to the ground instantly. It, it was every time. It, like, tight. Like, that was... That, every, every single time. time. He would move, lock up the legs. Lock it up. He's lock a master at that. He spent so much time, probably in that leg configuration, that there's nothing you could do that he hasn't already seen. That was probably all you could do to the bears to take him down. Yeah, right? <laughs> I know, know, right? Like, yeah, exactly. Up the, the bear made me great. <laughs> uh, yeah, so good fight, man. It was a good weekend. Friday night was the quintet, quintet three, and Saturday night was the UFC 229, I think it was, yeah. man, which was a, I didn't watch the undercard, but the main card was just, dude. Probably, like, fight through fight, one of the better cards I've ever watched. And I've said that a few times on the show, but this one was pretty good, I thought. Lewis was all over it in that fight. (laughs) Derek Lewis was amazing, and we, we were watching the fight last night with a friend of ours named Lucas, who's a black dude. And they kept calling Derek Lewis the Black Beast. And after like the third time, Lucas goes, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, this white announcer is a little bit too enthusiastic calling him the Black Beast. <laughs> We're like, yeah, yeah. And then right as he says it, like John Anik again, the Black Beast, Derek Lewis. And then fast forward, like, you know, to the end of the fight. And Lucas is all, I think I'm okay with him calling the Black Beast. He is the Black Beast. <laughs> yeah, he. I mean, he comes out. That that was just an all around crazy fight. Like, what was wrong with he, him? He he was he was acting like his right eye was hurt to negate, you know, the the, the angry tall Russian guy. It was weird, man. You know, and from his left eye, cause his yeah, left eye was the hurt. He was trying one. to deke him. He was trying yeah. to trick him. Yeah, trying to trick him. And then the, the moment I think he got popped again in the third round in that left eye, and it, it left him. Yeah, you know, he was pretty hurt. Pretty hurt. He still got that punch. 11 seconds left. It's like I had a feeling that he was going to try something big, but I wasn't very sure he was going to. You don't like you. You you have the announcer thing going on because you said it wouldn't it be funny (laughs) if he lost like 10 seconds left. Yeah, I did. Boom. It happened. Happened. But I didn't really believe it. I don't think. I don't think. He, Any, anybody he, he did. believed it. No. We have uh, Sean Applegate lined up to come on the show. Uh, Sean is the owner of Tenth Planet Gulf Shores in Gulf Shores, Alabama, and uh, he's a pretty dope dude. And I want to get his feedback 
on that as well, man. See what he thinks. Uh, I'd also I want to want to hear his thoughts on uh, the quintet. It's a lot of shit talking going on on the quintet. Yeah, that, like that quintet was was. Uh, well, uh, you know, there's a lot of things about it. Like, okay, there's some people. I saw Seth Daniels from Fight to Win online had had made a, a post about, hey, you know, how is this team jujitsu when Tenth Planet's the only real team? And okay, technically, yeah, what he's saying is right. Tenth Planet is like a baseball team before there was free agency, so they're they're like drafting guys and they're sending them to the minors. That's like blue belt, purple belt, and they call them up to the majors, like brown belt, black belt, right? They put them out there. And Uriah Faber, he's like baseball. He's like the New York Yankees. He's like baseball way, 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 way after all that other shit, dude, because he's not fucking around. He's like, okay, yeah, guys, uh, we need five guys for the team, and we got four, and we got about uh, X amount of kilos. I don't know. How much weight? I got about two hundred twenty pound allowance, and he's like, "Good in motherfucking Ryan." I, I, I think it was nine hundred, nine hundred pounds. No, I mean his allow. Like, how much oh. weight did they have available for yeah. a fit? I bet yeah. they built the team around Gordon Ryan. Oh, Uriah's like, "Fuck it, I'm in. I'm the smallest guy. The we ha- we don't have that much weight left." Who, who was the guy from Brazil? Oh, that guy oh, was man. huge. That guy was big. He, he he. They said he was on a diet at two sixty. He had to cut weight. <laughs> he had to cut weight to keep him under nine hundred kilos. <laughs> yeah. That was that was a lot of big dudes, uh, but pretty good card. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I can't even remember every fight from it though, man. Yeah, there were so there many. Were so there many were of so them. many fights going, and they split it up because they had the solo as well, like the non straight up. Yeah, dude. so they had the first round just yeah. got into the mix, right? And then there was a bunch of solo fights. Yeah, that's true. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull that up real quick here, uh, quintet three results, just so we have them fresh. I really, I'm really digging Quintet Three. I think we're seeing the rise of like a professional jujitsu teams. You know, it's gonna it's be awesome. Neat. But the stalling, the stalling, how they were doing the penalties, kind of. You know, I loved it, man. It- <laughs> I did. I loved it because they basically said, "Look, we're not messing around." No, they weren't. They're like, and they're not. There were some. There were some good positions lost. They though. Donald Trump that shit. They're like, <laughs> yeah, they, there will be full stalling penalties, man. Like, don't fuck with us. You take us back. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, let's see here. Let me just grab it. Uh, past events. Conor McGregor. Frank Mir. Frank Mir. Out. Out. Uh, oh brother, it's terrible. That was crazy. <laughs> let's call this cat, man. Let's see here. Sean Applegate. One time we gave out Nikki Ryan's phone number on the air. Sorry, oh, that's Nikki. Awesome. Yeah, I know. That was a douche move. It, it happens. Look, man, it's a free podcast, okay? Like, don't get off your high horse, Nikki. You were 14 at the time, all right? Calm down. Did he get pissed? Nah, he's cool. That's awesome. Well, I'd like to have him in on. He was pretty funny. All those guys are usually halfway funny. Not quite as funny as they think they are. Hello. Hey, Sean. This is Tim. Hey, what's up, man? Hey, dude. It's good to have you on. I have my co-host, Kenny, on with me today. Hey, how's mm-hmm. it going? What's up, bro? So, um, dude, the way we kind of do it is we just jump right into it. And uh, if you're ready, I'm ready. 
Yeah, I'm good to go, bro. I was just kind of hanging out. Perfect. So, real quick, man, can you uh, can you tell our listeners just a little a little bit about yourself? I know that you run the Tenth Planet in Gulf Shores, Alabama, but can you just give us like the 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 five or three you know three paragraph rundown on on who you are? Uh, yeah, man, absolutely. Uh, so, I uh, I started out in a Brennan McCatherine, you know, like in Alabama. So I was trying to do Tenth Planet and he's uh the only guy really that was doing it at the time so i met him he was a blue belt and so i was training with him some but i was kind of having to travel a lot like uh he was like five hours from me like at one end of the state i'm on the other end so anyway so i traveled with him and, and tried to train with him then i met eddie pretty quickly after that and started traveling out to la to train with eddie and uh man i just i just fell in love with jujitsu and and uh i really like to compete and stuff so i was just competing a lot and kind of training with my guys and, and you know, traveling to train with those guys and learn, which was, uh, which was great. And, and then I just competed a ton and got ranked up through that. And I've been training about six years now, so hasn't really been that long. Um, did you have and, any, uh, did you have any, uh, like grappling background before you got in, got into the 10th planet thing, or was it just kind of like, Hey, I want to do this. And, and, and you found Brandon. Yeah. Zero, zero grappling experience, man. I, um, I had, there's no wrestling in my high school or anything. Um, actually, uh, my, my high school was like big in football. You know, we produced like a ton of like NFL players and stuff, uh, from my high school in a town of like 15,000, which is ridiculous, but they're like four people from my graduating class go to the NFL. So they were just like, you know, we're going to do football, no wrestling. We really didn't have any sports at all. So, um, you know, no, nothing like that, man. And I just like, that's probably why I fell so in love with jujitsu when I found it. Cause I was just, I had never experienced anything like it at all, you know? So, um, yeah, nothing. I just jumped in it, man. And it's beautiful. So I, I stayed in Gulf Shores and, um, when I, and I opened a school and I had that school for, uh, for a long time. I still have it, but I just recently moved this year to Atlanta and opened the first one in Atlanta. So I'm here in Atlanta now. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's right. I, I actually, uh, <laughs> I know that <laughs> nice dude. How's it? Uh, so you're running two. Are you are you running two academies, or you you have like a, a partner in one of them, or how's that work? No, actually, I have three. Um, one in Gulf Shores, and then one about an hour north of there, in a town called Atmore, and then one here in Atlanta. Um, I just teach at the one in Atlanta full time, uh, just because of how much attention it takes. Like the jujitsu scene here is tremendous, so um, you know, it just it blew up faster than we thought it would. So. Um, I'm here full time, but I just have like some of my students teaching at the other ones. Um, like in Atmore, one of my brown belts teaches there and then in Gulf Shores, one of my purple belts teaches there now. So, um, you know, my, kind of my top guys, one of my brown belts, Chase Hanna, he, he moved here with me. So, um, you know, we're both doing this one. He's running kind of the kids program and, uh, helping coach like doing the assistant coaching stuff. And then I'm running all the main adult programs. Was it hard at all to... You know, when you made that jump from one academy to two, was it hard at all to do that um, and go like, "Oh, I'm going to leave this other dude in charge of the other school"? Did you have any any feeling like that, or were you pretty much like, "Hey, man, it's cool, whatever"? So, so I'm not. I mean, I'm I'm 27. Like, I'm not like a I'm not like a, a old school like businessman, or I didn't have I don't have like a long history in owning businesses <laughs> and, and all this entrepreneurial experience right, and stuff. Right. So. The only reason that I have multiple academies is because uh, opportunity presented itself, and I'm just the kind of person that always rolls the dice on stuff like that, you know? Like, if I see an opportunity that looks good and I believe in it, then I try it, you know? And um, 
and that's just that's really it man so like basically i had to school in gulf shores and then i met this guy who was a local mma fighter and i, and I kind of knew him uh just from going to the shows he's like pr pretty much the best guy from like around our area and um he wanted to come train and i was like sure bro come train and we rolled and and he just really liked what we did and liked our style and he was like all right cool man i'm gonna start training with you and i was like sweet so he, but he lived like an hour and 15 away and um you know how it is for these mma guys like a lot of times they're they're kind of broke you know it, a lot of people are letting them train for free you know and, and stuff like that and so he he was like paying me to train there and he's like the best guy locally and like driving an hour and 15 and all these things so i was like all right man well i appreciate that you know what i mean so i'm trying to like hook him up and then all of a sudden he just starts bringing these guys and next thing I know, I have like nine or ten people signed up at my gym that are from this tiny little town of like 5,000 people that he lives in an hour and a half away from my gym. And I was like, dude, how many more people? Because if nine or ten of them are making this drive with right, you, right. How, many, how many more of these people are up there, bro? And he was just like, dude, he's like, man, I, I probably know 20 or 25 There's people. a whole man. town full of them. Fuck. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> dude. And, and so I was like, well, do you think if I opened a gym there, like, <laughs> that we would be able to sign people up and, like, all this other stuff? And he was like, sure, man, no problem. So we did it. We opened it. And, like, he's a bit of, like, a hometown hero because he's does really well in mma and you know there's just no one no one lives in that town so you know he sticks out and man that gym blew up so it was like cool it was easy to leave him in charge of it because it it's the only thing that made sense you know like if yeah. anyone else taught there it wouldn't have anyone in it you know so yeah you know that one was easy and then coming here was easy too because gulf shores was my kind of my hub so i had all these purple belts you know that that were ready they're just doing jujitsu full time they're trying to compete in invitationals they want to go to ebi like nine or ten of these guys that train twice a day every day and it's all they do so it was just like all right man whichever one of you guys is the most ready is going to get the spot you know and it's, a, it's such a tight-knit team over there it was just easy it's like all right cool i'm going to atlanta to do this thing you know and, and and you know you guys are my boys i actually just came back today from gulf shores so they're uh, they're doing great over there man that's outstanding dude i'd, I'd love to hear it that guys are not just training full-time but they're actually running businesses and making some bread with it at the same time. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure, bro. For sure. So, dude, Sean, uh, last night when I hit you up, it was in the midst of maybe, you know, I don't know if I could say UFC 229 is the best UFC card I've seen, but it was pretty damn good. Like, the fights were pretty damn good. Uh, overall, man, how would you rate the event in terms of the other UFC events you've watched? uh man the whole event i thought was pretty exciting like uh we were hanging out um at chase's grandparents house uh just kind of like that's where we stayed and, and i walk into the living room they're watching like the the prelims and they're just like bro everybody's getting finished and i was like for real and they're like yeah everyone's getting finished this is crazy like uh, you know what i mean like this undercard's amazing and i was like wow so we watched a little bit of that and then we took off to our buddy's house to watch it and when we got there i think when i walked in uh Sergio Pettis was fighting that the Formiga or whatever, and Formiga had his back with a body triangle, and I was like, "Wow, like this is like a super exciting uh, fight card already, man! I can't wait till the fights that are supposed to be exciting." You know what I mean? So, man, it, it, even in just the undercard, it was already like blowing me away. So I don't get too excited for like UFC too often. Like, there's just so much of it; it's hard to always stay stoked for that. But I think that that card, all the way through, was just. Uh, extremely exciting and, and the, it was very very dramatic obviously so 
Yeah, I mean, I I feel you. There was a time when the UFC was on, you know, every two or three months, and it was kind of a build up, and you were stoked, and it was like, whoa, it's coming up, it's coming up. And now, you know, there's events every weekend. Sometimes there's there's two or three in one weekend, so there's a little bit of overload, and it's hard to like really get pumped up. I I think you know, honest, you know, obviously, I wanted to watch Conor McGregor fight. I wanted to watch the Khabib fight. I wanted to see Ferguson and Pettis. I thought that was a compelling matchup. The rest of the card, I wasn't sure how those fights would would match out. Like on paper, I was like, well, it could be good or they could suck, <laughs> you know, because there's a lot of times when you look at fights on paper and they don't really pan out the same way uh, in real life. But damn, man, uh, Derek Lewis and Volkov, what a fight, like an odd fight. Lewis had such an odd, you know, thing going on in that fight. And you're like, is he hurt? Is his right eye hurt? Is his left eye hurt? He's acting weird. I mean, he was acting fucked up from the beginning. And to come back and win that fight in the last round, it's amazing, man. What what was the scene like where you were watching the fight when he when he had that comeback win? Man, people were going crazy. So I don't know. I don't think the people I was with, like, I don't think they knew who he was. But uh, <laughs> I'll tell you this, man. Like, I think one of the very first fights he ever had, I was in Miami. And I had taken some of my students with me to go train with the guys in Miami that I trained with or whatever. And, like, we were in the hotel room just getting showered up. We were going to go eat. And the UFC was on. It was one of those, like, free cards or whatever. It was one of Derek Lewis's first fights. And so his fight happened to be on when I came out of the shower. And I was just sitting there with uh, one of my students or whatever, watching it. And, uh, like, we heard his post-fight interview or whatever, you know. And that's when he started talking about Ronda Rousey and stuff. And uh, I was dying, dude. I was like, oh, my God, this guy's hilarious. Like, this, the things he's saying are so ridiculous right now. And, it's you know, it doesn't seem fake. It seems super authentic, whatever. So ever since then, I've been a huge fan of that guy. So, like, watching this fight with these guy, this guy or whatever. And they're like, oh, man, this guy's dying. This guy's dying. And I'm like, I'm telling you guys, he's a one-shot guy, like, like Derek Lewis, where he just needs one, like, and like he can be completely exhausted, barely able to pick himself up. But if he touches your chin, you just go to sleep. <laughs> and uh, they were just, you know, people were just kind of like whatever, you know. And then, dude, he hit him, and that dude folded like that. I was like, oh my gosh, and what a comeback! <laughs> His mouthpiece flew out twice in that fight. Like that, you know, you you might see it once. You usually don't see the guy lose his mouthpiece twice in a fight. He tried handing it to him. He tried to hand it to Lewis. Yeah, he's like, yeah, man, the mouthpiece came out. <laughs> yeah, man. Like, it, he's such an exciting fighter. Like, he, I know he had that fight with uh, Ganu, I guess, and just, you know, it, it was boring and they didn't fight or whatever, but... But uh, but other than that, bro, that guy. I mean, he's tied like second for most knockouts, and um, yeah. maybe is it heavyweight or just in all of the UFC? Uh, you know what? I'm not sure. It's probably it. It's probably all the UFC. I mean, generally the heavyweights are the ones putting the knockouts in. Right. It was like nine knockouts or something like that. Insane. Like nine UFC knockouts. Like what against the best dudes in the world? You yeah. knocked out nine of That's those. That's a guys? dangerous thing, right? Oh, Damn. God. Man. That's a serious That's a, power hitter, right? That's a guy that could hit for serious fucking power, man. Damn. And I was getting super disappointed, like, watching him lose, because all I was thinking about was that post-fight interview. Like, I was like, man, I need to hear this post-fight interview. <laughs> I need him to win this fight. And, like, he knocks the dude out with 10 seconds left, and I feel like everybody was like, wow, that was crazy. And I was just like, yes, here we go. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to get to hear him. He, he had 40 total strikes compared to uh, Alexander Volkov had 133 total strikes. Yeah, man. Wow. Right? Like, But, dude, check this stat out. He had 40 total strikes, and 39 were significant strikes of Derek Lewis's. <laughs> he only God, had one man. bad strike. 
amazing, Jeez, man. amazing. And then he, t- th- so then yeah, he gets to the interview part, takes his pants off, right? <laughs> <laughs> and Rogan goes, uh, "Why'd you take your pants off?" And he goes, "Cause my balls are hot." <laughs> it's like, oh wow, this is gonna be great. Yeah, like, I can understand that. I can... <laughs> Yeah, dude. Like he's in. Like uh, that's that's exactly what I'm talking about. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like so happy he didn't disappoint because I'm like telling, I'm selling him to these guys. I'm like, bro, you guys have got to watch this post fight. Like I'm telling you, and the moment the fight's over, his shorts are already off. He's walking on his underwear. I was like, come on, right here, dude. It was great. <laughs> it was great. Really, uh, his his stock has got to go up. I mean, Volkov. That's a hard loss because he he fought a decent fight. You know, he picked him apart. He landed a lot of shots, but. I guess if you're yeah, fighting man. someone like Derek Lewis, you know that, that that could be in the cards for you. So we had a fight, maybe, I think it might have been that first one I watched. I'm not sure. Uh, he he takes body shots. He kind of gets uh, beat up with body shots, and it, you know, he almost loses uh, with that. And he got hit in the body. Man, I don't remember who it was. It might have been Alistair Overeem or something. Somebody hit him in the body, and like he was like almost done. He almost got finished, just like in this fight. But I think he came back and won the same round. It was like first or second round or whatever. And uh, I was like, man, that was crazy. And then in this fight, right off the rip, when I saw Volkov kick him in the body, I was like, oh, no. You know what I mean? Like he takes these body shots, and he just doesn't really spring back from them uh, too well. But uh, it was interesting to see him. It was interesting to see that, and then that fight too. It, he, he said at the end, the first thing he said, uh, Joe was like, "How was that body shot? Did it, was it almost over?" And he was just like, "Yeah, I think I got a poop or something like that." And I was like, "What?" <laughs> that guy's <shit. laughs> Yeah, like, oh, that's because he was limping around, like he's gonna yeah. hold his gut and stuff. He's like, "How oh, well you're holding your gut? Like are you all right?" He's like, "Yeah, I just got a poop or something like that." <laughs> like just total uh, authentic, genuine self, right? He's not not hiding anything there. Yeah, dude. Dude, uh, I want to jump up to Ferguson Pettis. Obviously, uh, you know, there was a lot of concern, I think, uh, the fact that Ferguson came back so soon, right? And Tony's one of those guys who he put together a long winning streak. It looked like everything was lined up. He was going to get the shot at the title, and then it was just one instance of bad luck after another. And so he finally gets back to fight a guy, and Anthony Pettis, who... You know, who at one time was, and I still think is a very, very good fighter, you know, a champion fighter, elite level fighter, kind of fell off a little bit, but we've seen him retool, kind of come back, make some changes. It was a hell of a fight, and Pettis looked really good in the first round, but Tony's just one of those guys that's super hard to finish, man. What did you think about that fight? Man, you know what? I thought to myself, uh, Going in, I saw like an interview with Pettis or whatever, and uh, he was like, "Yeah, you know, I had a knee surgery, and um, you know, it it it's hard to come back. You won't be a hundred percent on your first fight for sure. You won't be." And he said that about Tony. He's like, "He won't be a hundred percent," and that's what they kept asking him. Like, you know, what, what do you, you know, how did you train for this? What do you think is going to be like your key to victory? And he's like, he just kept going back to that, and I, I couldn't help but think, like, man, you you must think. Um, that Tony's not going to be at a hundred percent, and that's his perspective to have. You know, he had the knee surgery before too. I, will, I mean, what do I know? But I was just thinking, you know, like, wow, that that sounds like you're banking on it. And then when Tony came out, he basically just like came out and like walked up to Anthony Pettis and just started punching him in the face. And Anthony <laughs> Pettis was like, "Wait a minute, what's happening?" Like, it almost looked like he, it almost looked like Anthony Pettis didn't hear him say "go." You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I just, I was absolutely blown away because it seems like, I mean, Tony's always like an unorthodox guy and he's real energetic and he's on, you know, he, he does his thing, but it seemed almost like in the past with Tony that like he's a little tentative at the beginning. He just kind of feels guys out and changes angles and levels, you know, but he didn't do that at all. He was just like, boom, 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 like on him. 
Tony, I think in the past was almost one of those guys that seemed like he had to get hit a couple times before he, like, okay, fuck yeah, we're at, like boom, 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 and then he turned it on, you know. But but yeah, last night he came out, he looked good the, uh, during the play by play. They called out that oh, you know, it looks like he's moving a little different on that knee. I mean, it it could have bothered him, or he could that could just be the way he moves on it now. You Bro, I didn't I mean? notice any. I didn't notice. They kept saying that, and I kept thinking to myself, yeah. like, what, are, what are they talking about? He just looks normal. I mean, I didn't see. I mean, when you got a guy who's jumping around on one foot, like switching stance, changing levels, like throwing front kicks, like, I mean, I didn't see a hitch in his step anywhere that didn't seem normal for him, but he's a super weird dude. So maybe he was, or yeah. maybe he was, and it's hard to see. He has an extremely um, unorthodox style. You know, especially, and you saw that come to play, and I feel like you saw it kind of save him in the fight, at least get him out of some trouble. Uh, there was an instance where he fell backwards and did this kind of like somersault backwards roll scramble thing and ended up, ended up popping up to his feet and kind of mitigating uh, Pettis' attack. And, and, and it's because of things like that that he's really hard to predict you know like what do i do next we're in this scramble where is he gonna go he's usually not going the way you think he's gonna go yeah man we were kind of laughing like i was talking to chase and we were laughing like i was like man what do you think about that like oh i'm rocked better turn into a front roll reaction that he had like yeah. he, he got rocked and he was like yeah just spinning front roll yeah it's like what the fuck is he doing yeah sure, man I'm like pretty sure some cartwheels were thrown in there <laughs> right that was incredible to me like uh he did get rocked or whatever but uh you know like the thing is though is that like in that moment that he got rocked not only i mean yeah he got rocked but like on the way down i think he split pettis like two times like yeah. he had two cuts on him when they hit the floor see i thought in the moment i thought tony was cut because he got hit and he fell and he had blood all over him and i was like oh god tony's cut you know this sucks and then they stood him up and they you know the break and i look at pettis's head and i was like what even in the moment when tony's supposed to like lose the fight Pettis is taking more damage than tony yeah 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 you're right you're right about that in fact everyone thought it was tony's jaw or his mouth they're like oh it's bleeding it's bleeding and it was coming from pettis um pettis he looked good i mean he was in the fight some people have said oh pettis bitched out took the easy way out i didn't get that impression man that i i got the impression that Pettis was fighting to win and he broke his hand and they, you know, basically decided he couldn't go forward. Yeah, it was his corner, man. Like Duke Rufus said, listen, man, you know, you, I can't have you out there fighting with a broke hand. You know what I mean? Like it only goes downhill from here. You only get hurt worse. You only take more time off. You know, it's, it's just not good. You know, you already cut all these other things. So the corner called it. Um, I do think that Pettis is the type of fighter that when he's put under extreme pressure, he kind of wilts a little bit. Like, you kind of see that from him. I think that was the story of the fight. I do think Tony coming out right off the jump and just being like, look, man, the money's not bothering me, and I'm going to punch you in the face right now. Uh, yeah. kinda, you kind of saw him. Like, he was backing up the whole fight. Like, oh, no, oh, no, you know. He brought so, the fight uh, to him. He, yeah, he, he outpunched him. Uh, Ferguson cleanly outpunched him, like 110 to 37. Which is a <laughs> Fuck, dude. That's, that's incredible, man. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of a lot of punching. And he landed two punches. He he did two Anthony Pettis punches off the fence, which I thought was freaking outstanding. Yeah, I was laughing about that too as I was watching. I was like, man, look at Tony just jumping off the cage to hit him, like just for measure, just to do it. Like. Yeah, just rub it in. How does the how does the lightweight division stack up now with 
McGregor or, or, you know, obviously Khabib, who knows what his status is. I don't know what's going to happen. Are we potentially looking at like a Ferguson McGregor matchup for a, for an interim title that Khabib will probably be stripped of? Yeah, man. I mean, it could totally go that way or, you know, it could be a thing where Connor doesn't want to fight again. And now we get like, you know, some sort of weird interim fight that doesn't involve either of the two guys, um, or whatever. I mean, for Tony, like I know I spoke with Eddie before about this. Like I know that like as a team, you know, we'd like to see Tony fight Connor because, you know, for Tony's legacy, like, if you if he beats Khabib, like it, it kind of is more significant, like as an athlete in the sport, like someone who's involved with it, like yeah. it's you know, like you know, obviously you know Khabib is better, this and that, whatever, but as far as like the legacy goes and like what people will talk about and the kind of payday that Tony could get, the Connor fight just just and then his ability to win the fight too, like the amount of difficulty that you are presented with in Khabib and with Connor, just that's just two different levels, you know. So it's yeah. like easier fight for Tony which is hard to say any fight's easy at that level, but, you know, a little more winnable fight in that way. And then, like, a way bigger payday, way bigger press, you know, way bigger everything. So I hope he fights Connor. to be honest. Uh, you know, eventually he'll fight Khabib, I'm, I'm sure, at some point anyway. But, and if he fought Connor, it would be so good for Tony's career, you know? Yeah. Yo, oh, yeah, for sure, man. And he deserves it. I think he deserves the fight. He he. He, he's been on a winning streak. He's got the right trajectory. You know, he fucking hurt his knee in a freak accident. And, uh, you know, he's doing everything he needs to do to to get that victory, man. So there, so there's, I don't see how they could justify not giving him the fight. It's got, yeah. You're talking about a guy who hasn't lost since 2012. Incredible, right? Like, yeah, he had a 10-fight win streak, now 11. This and is crazy. is making, taking six months off doing his own rehab, knee surgery, coming back and making a top 10 guy look like he's never fought before. Yeah. That's crazy. It, it really is, dude. It is, man. Tony's the man, dude. I, I hope he gets the shot. Um, and obviously, we're talking about Conor McGregor. He he lost last night in what was, you know, kind of weird against Khabib. And the thing about that fight was it was a fight that fight fans wanted to see and people talked about. But then I felt like when it got booked... There was hardly any press really about it, and it was just kind of mums the word. And then it was like, "Hey, it's coming up on the weekend," and yeah. you know what I'm saying? It wasn't hyped up too much, man. It, uh, even though I, it was I did a great feel fight. weird, I did feel weird about it, bro. I, I'll tell you what, I I had like a moment where I was going to go to the bathroom or something like that, and I grabbed my phone, and it was like um, Facebook Live Khabib versus Connor press conference, and I was like, oh. Oh really? Like that—that's just on right now. Like I just caught the end of it, and I was like, "Man!" Like I can remember fights where Connor was going to be in a fight in the past, and it was like, if you know, I mean, if I missed it, it was all over Facebook. It was everywhere. Clips of it, highlights. Here, go watch this now. This, that, boom, boom, boom. But like, dude, I didn't even know that it was going to happen. I randomly caught it, and I never saw it again after I watched it. it you it, know, it certainly was not the spectacle that. You know, I would have expected, and it really wasn't heavily promoted. Now, now some people say that Connor basically said, "Look, man, I'm not going to do the promotion schedule that you guys want me to do," because he realized it was going to be a serious fight, and he was going to have to trade his ass for ass off for it. But I, I don't know; it just seemed like a weird fight. Um, I thought McGregor looked okay. I thought he made it a fight. I thought that you know, it, a lot of guys would have wilted under that pressure that he was put under. But he still made it a fight, and he landed some good, clean punches, and, and he had a chance 
uh, in 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 the second round there. But man, dude, uh, Khabib's takedown game is just. It's smothering, and the way he bundles your legs up and crosses them over and triangles his legs, it's its ridiculous, man. You just don't see people do that at that level. Yeah, it was really interesting. Um, the guys we were watching with um, were, like, asking me, like, there was, like, a name for that position. And I was like, man, I don't – I mean, you just don't see it that often, man. Like, we, we don't even have a name for it, like um, – like I know the MM, different MMA camps have a name for it, but but I was just like you know we don't you just don't even barely ever see that. So it's just you know the way Khabib does it and the way Khabib was doing it in that first round where it's just relentless. Like Connor couldn't gain an inch. It was just I mean yeah I I predicted uh, Khabib would win just because um, it seemed like the margin for victory for Khabib was triple or quadruple what it was for Connor. You know like. They're, they're saying, like, oh, Connor's got to knock him out. And it's like, well, no, he doesn't just have to knock him out. He has to knock him out with one shot. Like, he has to – Jose Aldo, you know, yeah. all over again. Yeah. Because if he hits him and he just rocks him, then Khabib grabs him. And when Khabib grabs him, rocked or not, Connor doesn't get back up, right? Like, that's that's going to be the story of the fight. If Connor can get up, then maybe he has a better chance. But if he can't get up, then – I mean, look at the margin for victory that Khabib has at that point, you know? So it was incredible to watch him just control the dude like that at the highest level. <laughs> it's super crazy. And to be honest, I mean, it, you know, it's easy to say that Khabib could control them because he did. Khabib's so good that I was impressed with the defense that Connor actually did put up. He escaped Mount a couple times from him. You know, he like worked a little half guard, tried to get back up to his feet here and there. I was impressed that he was just even able to do that. Because we've seen Man. Khabib just smother guys, just smother yeah. them. You're so, I mean, yeah, you're exactly right. Like, uh, you know, you get a lot of, like, the armchair quarterback type stuff where, where guys that, like, are, you know, have been training for six months watch, and they're like, oh, yeah, Khabib striking is trash and, like, this and that and the other thing. And it's like, well, I mean, okay, I hear you. But, you know, compared to other guys that are world-class, maybe it's not that good. But the thing is, is these guys are good at everything. You know what I mean? Like, if you went to their gym and you trained with them, like, you would find out very quickly that the average person can't compete with them at any at any facet of this game. You know what I mean? Like they're good at everything. So, like Khabib's level is you know insane. To, so to watch Connor, like Connor got up once against the cage, and uh, the people were watching with were kind of like booing at it, like pissed off because you know it seemed like he wasn't doing anything. But I was like, man, you guys have no idea how Dude. significant it is that he even got up once. You know what I mean? That's huge. He stuffed a couple takedowns too. I mean, it's a big deal, man. If Khabib yeah. takes you down and you stand back up and you wall walk and you get out of that weird leg bundle bullshit thing he does, dude, that's a that's a major victory. Like, I feel good about myself just being able to do that. If I could do that against Khabib, I would quit grappling. I'd be like, I'm done. I've I've gone as far as I could possibly go in this art. It's over. I beat for it. Me. Yeah, I beat it. I just tilted the game. It's over, man. No, but it's just uh fucking crazy. And then the antics after Sean, dude, I'm telling you, man, I there was a part where I was watching the crowd and I thought this could get out of hand. Like this could turn into like some bullshit, like a riot kind of bullshit, right? Did you get that feeling or did you think that was just all kind of under control. Uh, no, definitely not under control. As a matter of fact, the first thing I almost missed the because 
I felt like there were going to be fans. I see. I don't know. I can only have my. I can only like you know. I only have my finger on the pulse of the people that are around me. But it seemed to me that the Connor fans are like two to one for the Khabib fans. It seems like maybe Khabib's not that polarizing, so he doesn't really get that many fans the way that someone like Connor does. So it was like. Man, if he jumps into that crowd, there's got to be some crazy Connor fans that are going to try to put their hands on him. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I thought, like, you know, not only di- diving into that crowd was that dangerous for him, like he could get knocked over the head by some random dude that's just there and likes Connor and is emotionally charged. Right. But there's going to be fights. I mean, a guy in Atlanta got shot in the face over it. Oh, you know what I mean? Are you kidding? I didn't realize no, that. Wow. No, there's a, a girl I know. She does photography for jujitsu here. She posted on her Facebook. She also works at a bar part time. That the bar she worked at, a guy out in the front got shot in the face, like dead. Boom! One shot, one kill, and the dude left. And they were like trying to find the guy, and it was like confirmed. Like the, the people who saw it, like confirmed it was an argument over that exchange at the end of that fight. And dude wow. just pulled out a gun, and boom, it was over. Wow. So. Yeah, man, I did. I actually was, I mean, you know, I was in Gulf Shores, so, I mean, nothing's going to happen in Gulf Shores, but if I had been here, like in Atlanta, and I'd been out watching it somewhere, I would have definitely been, like, looking over my shoulder, like, man, probably need to get out of here, you know what I mean? Like, not to mention what was actually going on at that stadium, I can only imagine. Yeah, I mean, it just felt like the environment in that arena, and I'm not sure if it was, if that was at the MGM or, or, or where it was, but it just seemed like shit like the you know when the announcers get quiet and they're kind of like oh boy like they're not sure what to say you know that they you know i I was just waiting for the camera to pull back and and rogan and dominic just throwing strikes against random fuckers you know what i'm saying like (laughs) yeah dude jesus dude what's gonna happen i mean that's serious that's a serious uh black eye on mixed martial arts but i feel like the ufc was kind of smart about the way they handled it one is they kind of spun it in a way where they said, like, hey, this is pro sports. Nobody got hurt. You know, it's fighting, blah, blah, blah. And then they congratulated the, you know, the LA, the Las Vegas, you know, law enforcement did a really great job, like, got everything under control. So they're kind of running, like, damage control. But what? who's to say it? Just someone who was in the crowd doesn't file a lawsuit and say, man, this fucking guy jumped over the thing. The crowd panicked, and I fell down, and now... You know, my back hurts, and I have trauma, and I can't sleep at night. I'm thinking about this Russian jumping over a cage at me. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? It's such a liability, dude. Bro, uh, uh, yeah, I know. And it, that whole situation is um, like that because, you know, what you end up with is at the end when they're trying to escort these guys out, all these people throwing stuff at them and everything else. Man, those videos of fights from the stadium on Facebook today and, uh, like, people are, like, swinging chairs at each other and stuff. And I'm like, hey, man, like, you're there with your people. You guys are watching the fight. A fight breaks out 10 feet from you. Oh, this sucks. Whatever, we're going to go. Bam, your homie gets hit in the back of the head with a folding chair. Like, it's not the WWE. That's a cracked skull. You know what I'm saying? Like, bro, that's hospital trips. I mean, I I hear you. I would have been, if I had been in that arena, I would have been like, yeah, man, we need to get out of here as quick as we can, for sure. Hey, hey, man, you know what's funny is, you know, they always have, like, the... uh the two old bullshit cop guys who are like supposed to hold the octagon down if anything happens. Those guys were nowhere to be fucking found, dude. Where were Hell those cats not. at, dude? They were like, dude. Those guys were they dipped as soon as they when when they saw Khabib come over that cage. The same speed that Khabib was moving at Dylan Dennis's face was the speed those dudes were moving out those front doors. <laughs> they were gone, dude. Three people hopped in the cage. 
Yeah, three of the fucking Khabib's <laughs> dudes did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, dude. They, yeah, it was like a, a joint op. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> maybe they had like a signal or something. I don't know, but hey, it, uh, it, it was weird at the very end when the cameras were on Dana and he was saying, "Hey, we're not going to put the belt on you. Like this place will go nuts." There were some like law enforcement looking dudes in gray suits, and they looked like the ones who were really in charge. You know what I mean? They were like, oh, no, you're coming with us. It's like, you're out of here, motherfucker. It was insane, dude. It was a crazy night. I'm glad that nobody seriously got injured, I mean, in the arena, I guess, as far as I know. But, man, you know, you can't have that kind of shit. They're going to seriously put a ban on fighters interacting with the crowd, man. And, and it's kind of sad, dude, because for me, mixed martial arts and especially jiu-jitsu, and, and still to this day jiu-jitsu, it's one of the last kind of pro things where the spectators still have some kind of access to the fighters. You know, there's not this huge barrier yet, but obviously the elite guys there is, but man, we're, we're coming to a time. Like if you want to play basketball, you love basketball. You never get to get down on the court and shoot around with your favorite guys. And MMA, right? right? Jiu-jitsu, you, you could drop into their academies and fucking attend the class. And you know, you know what I'm saying? Like roll on the same mats, maybe get a fucking five minute round with them. Who knows? But, now it's going to be even harder. It's, these guys are going to get really probably separated out, I would think, just just out of safety concerns. Yeah, man, and you know how it is. Like, and, and it's like, uh, like we were we were talking about it. Like, uh, me and Chase were kind of laughing because, uh, like, you know, the internet and people are like, the more polarizing you are, the more of almost like a cult following you get. Like, if you're not if you're not polarizing at all, you'll get fans, but you'll never have as many fans as the guys that are polarizing, right? Like, if you just look at jiu-jitsu, um, look at Felipe Pena, like, people in jiu-jitsu kind of know who he is. I know a lot of black belts that they probably don't know who he is, you know what I mean? Like, when he's, I mean, he's a really good grappler, but look at Gordon Ryan, who's lost to Felipe twice, and it, he's got to be the most notable guy in the entire sport, right? Right. Like, like for real, like I mean, you could say like the Hoist Gracie and this and that or whatever, but like people know who Gordon Ryan is, like, and it's just because he's polarizing. Man, he just comes out and he's just like, "Hey, man, here's what I think about things," and I know you don't like that, but I don't care because I'm gonna say it anyway. You know, look at Eddie. Like Eddie's like, "Hey, man, like here's the stuff I believe in. If you don't like that, that's okay, but I'm gonna say it anyway." And then you know the kind of people that follow him. You have normal people that follow him, but you also have like these crazy people. Like we always make the joke with Eddie that if he ever put out on his social media, like. All right, guys, uh, the rash guards and the shorts and the spats and stuff are just giving too much grip in training. Like, it's just too much. Like, they, they won't have. We're training naked. We're going on all 10th Planet Schools are going 100% naked now. There's at least one dude that's showing up to every 10th Planet yeah. School butt naked. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? All in. And, and all you hope in. that he's one of your guys and not some <laughs> random dude that was just waiting for that. You know what I mean? Dude, like, right? I mean, you're, so you're right, though. <laughs> That's going to happen, right? So that's that's the problem with this situation is it didn't happen with Anderson Silva versus uh, Chris Weidman. You know what I mean? Where it's like respectable guys and they have fans. And if they had gotten into some sort of outside of the cage scuffle, people would have been like, whoa, that's crazy, whatever. It happened with Conor McGregor, who has like some of the craziest fans you've ever seen. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so I just think that, um, yeah, they, they're going to have to figure something like that out because these fans, man, like, you don't know, like, some dude that's living in his mom's basement watching, like, every YouTube video on Conor McGregor, like, thinking about strapping a bomb vest on and, like, running into, like, some place. You know what I mean? Like, Supercharged. They're supercharged, man. They're fucking out of bro. their minds. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, and that's what that those really polarizing figures. That's kind of what they get sometimes, and it's, it's not necessarily their fault. I mean, they didn't ask to have fans like follow them like they're some sort of deity or anything, but it just it sometimes happens that way. Yeah, yeah. Hey, speaking of Gordon Ryan, dude, uh, Quintet Three. You know, a lot of fun to watch, man. I'm gonna say I, I really enjoyed the the format, and I gotta say, okay, so you know the stalling penalties were a little bit zealous. Like, we got to be honest; they were a little like, come on, man, the guy's fucking on mount grinding for an underhook, and you're gonna like call him for stalling. But you know, they kind of did what they said they were gonna do. They basically said, "We're not fucking around with stalling. We will be calling stalling like motherfuckers. So do not stall." And they stuck to their word, like 100, percent right, like like over the line on it. But overall, I thought the event and the production was really good, dude. I I really enjoyed watching that type of team format jujitsu. Is that your first one you watched, or did you watch the other one too? Uh, I, I've watched I've watched his the uh, the other one too with Quintet. It's just it makes sense. I've heard a lot of people talk about doing team jujitsu, like mm-hmm. coming up with different ways of doing it. But the way they're employing it with Quintet is it's entertaining, man. It's super cool. The fact that you could you know have a guy go through two or three matches and he could be your big killer, but now he's exhausted and he has to keep going, and you can knock him out. It it st- you always have a chance to stay in it, which is pretty neat to watch. Yeah, man, it's my it's my favorite right now after Quintet two. Um, I watched Quintet 2, and, and uh, it, it was so, like, uh, amazing. They, they, I think the key for me with that one was they found a way to make a draw exciting, right? So it was like, you know, you watch things, and there's draws, and you're just like, ugh. Like, when you watch EBI, and it goes to overtime, most of the time when it goes to overtime, you're just kind of like, ugh. You know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah, it's 10 minutes of probably stalling they got him to the overtime sometimes it's not sometimes it's cool but sometimes it's matt secor versus dan martinez from combat jiu-jitsu this past time or yeah, whatever yeah, exactly you know what i mean i know dan martinez personally like and he's a super exciting really awesome grappler and to watch that dude just sit and hold him in the guard i was thinking to myself like like bro like and then they go to overtime whatever so they found i found a way to make the draw uh, exciting at quintet so now you see a draw sometimes you're hoping for a draw like i know in there was a couple cases with our team i was just like oh, look all he's got to do is just survive this thing and we're gonna be all right you know what i mean like so it's like you know it's it's incredible man everything every part of it is exciting like every single aspect of it so i love it man i i'm i can't get enough of it we hosted one here uh, in atlanta at our gym we did like purple belt teams uh or it was blue belts actually super exciting everyone had a blast so uh man i don't know if it's like my would be my favorite to compete in but as far as like a spectator goes i haven't really seen anything that that got me more hype than like the quintet set yeah it, it i think you're right man i, I think you're right and there's it, there's like built-in drama the, the way the matches fold out there's a built-in drama to it i, I was really impressed with you know the jujitsu that was on display as well and it was interesting because a lot of people made note of the fact that the Tenth Planet team is kind of like the only team that is a actual team in the team <laughs> tournament. And I kind of, yeah. I kind of likened it earlier uh, when Kenny and I were talking to, you know, pro sports before free agency. Tenth Planet's basically like, hey, we got a farm system. Like we're bringing big people in, brand new rookies. We're developing them, pushing them through the system, getting them up to the top. 
And you're seeing other schools kind of go like, yeah, well, we do the free agent model. We're like your teams, you know, like we're pulling guys in and, and we're doing this and we're that. And obviously the biggest kind of standout was Team Alpha Male bringing Gordon Ryan on, which is a strange just a strange accommodation. Like this is weird. I would never think Gordon Ryan would be on Team Alpha Mel. Yeah, in both <clears throat> rounds. I mean, once he got up in both rounds, he pretty much carried he carried each round out. Yeah, man. It's like they <clears throat> most of the teams are. Uh, I don't think their model is like gyms. You know, I think their model is just sponsors that put together a team of athletes that they want to represent them or whatever. Which is totally cool. Like I, I don't, you know, like it any less that that's how they do it. Um, you know, so for for our guys, it just seemed like icing on the cake that we were like, all right, we're only going to use our guys. And um, it was also interesting that you know we only had, uh, and I, I'm pretty sure, I'm positive actually, we only had homegrown guys, not even just Ten Planet guys who actually represent Ten Planet, but like Dude, you're, I don't all know. those guys are. Homegrown. Yeah, I don't know PJ Barch's uh, background too well, but Geo, Boogie, Adam, Amir, those are all homegrown dudes, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all homegrown, and, and that's interesting because even if, even if like, let's say, uh, it becomes a, a thing, and the next one they have like a DDS, right? Like, and they decide to get the dad and her guys involved. Like almost none of those guys are homegrown, right? Like almost none of those guys started with Dan and her as a white belt, and then you know. Or even really started with Hinzo directly. Like a lot of those guys are from, you know, they like go even Gordon. Like I'm gonna start with Tom. You know what I mean? Or like, you know, Gary started with Tom. Eddie Cummings started with somebody else completely at Texel, like with John Sateva and those guys. And um, you know, which is not that Eddie Cummings would be on their team or anything like that. But you know, all the main guys, they all started somewhere else. You know what I mean? So even if those guys came as a team, it wouldn't be homegrown. Like this is all we're doing. So I don't know what direction they'll move, man, but I was really impressed that, that our guys went out there and did it like that. You know, we could have used Vinny Magalesh. You know, he's a 10th planet guy, but like, he's not a homegrown 10th planet guy. So we didn't really use him, but we could have used him. You yeah. know what I mean? Could have yeah. got him in there. Hmm. It's an interesting concept. I don't know. It is. Do you think that there's potential if this, you know, kind of uh, format grows a little bit for, a bigger sponsor to basically pay some of these guys a decent amount of money just to compete on their team. And maybe you start seeing them sign guys like, Hey, we're signing you Craig Jones to be on team Polaris for three years. And we're paying you X amount of dollars a year to do it. I think that'd be awesome, man. I think it would be great. I think anything like that in the sport, as long as it's with from a good hearted spot, like a, you know, like a good place. I think anything like that is something our sport needs because one of the things that we don't have is we don't have any sort of sense of professionalism when it comes to the professional athletic side of what we do. Like no one has representation. Nobody has any sort of like, uh, like most sponsors, even I'll, I'll talk to guys that I know they're black belts that are incredible black belts and they're like yeah man i'm sponsored by like gameness like well, well how much do they pay you oh they don't send me any money they just send me gear i'm like bro what you know yeah. what i'm saying like this is you know and our sport is growing man all these viewers and some tight pass and all these things like well it's time to start kind of doing that so i think if Re if reebok sponsors a team you can't tell me right now that those dudes couldn't be getting paid 
No you shit. Know what I'm you don't got look, and in the beginning, you don't you don't got to pay him five million bones each, not to start. Nah. dude. I'll tell you what. If somebody told a lot of these guys, "Hey, I'll break you off a hundred grand a year for three years," would you sign up? Fuck yeah. You know what I mean? I'll sign up. Let's do it. Like a lot of dudes would take that deal, man. Bro, ninety nine point nine percent would take a hundred grand. Are you right? kidding me? Exactly, dude. I'll take a hundred bucks for <laughs> right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, just give me something. Put me on dude. the fucking team. <laughs> yeah. Just don't let me. Just don't let me leave having paid for my own plane ticket there and didn't win any money in the event. Oh, you know what I mean? Like, Lord, yeah, I do know what you mean. And it's and it's pretty cool, man. Because if some if a model like that takes place, then you know. A team is going to need more than five guys, you know, and they're going to need a pra- practice guys, and they're going to need coaches. And you start to see like the rise of some real professional uh, jujitsu. And yeah, it will change things to a certain extent, but it will also, I think, allow you know these athletes to kind of take their proper place as athletes. Yeah, jujitsu is super cool, and they're martial artists for sure. But these guys are working. Is, you know yourself, man, just as hard as any of these other pro athletes. These guys that are really getting out there and they're putting themselves out there, they're on the grind, man. They're putting the work in. They're not – they aren't working, you know, uh, for some some job. Some of them might be having regular jobs, but most of these guys are not – they don't have regular jobs, man. They're training full-time. Yeah, man, and that makes it – what makes it difficult is you're faced with this dilemma, and up until the last couple of years, it was the same for everybody. What do you want to do with jujitsu? Oh, you want to do it full time? Awesome. So the only way to make money is to teach seminars, open a school. That's it. That's all you can do. And, and teaching seminars is awesome. And as long as you're relevant and you're hot and you're winning, or you have something extremely unique to teach people, uh, then you'll be able to do seminars. But the moment that you stop winning, the moment that you your information gets disseminated a little too much, um, the moment that like someone else becomes a little more popular than you, the seminar starts slowing down. So the only way to have real longevity is to have a school. And then eventually not just have a school because that's uh, to only envision one school for the rest of your life is, is going to keep you kind of broke, you know, unless you just strike gold or whatever. But having an association over time and like it's all these things and like not everybody's cut out to be that not everybody's necessarily yeah. cut out to be an instructor or to be an entrepreneur like i know a lot of guys in these martial arts circles um alan belcher school is only an hour and a half from my gulf shore school i, I kind of came up knowing alan belcher and being around him at the fights and maybe going over to his school to train with some of those guys sometime and stuff um and now he's like one of the big martial arts marketing guys and alan um Look at him, bro. He's a UFC fighter and all these other things. All these guys are going to his thing, and they're just like regular guys who own martial arts schools for like eight years. And they're like, bro, I'm still making, you know, 20 grand a year, like eking by, like hoping to pay my bills and have my wife yell at me all the time about things financially, you know, like things like that. And it's like, yeah, dude, like that's just that's the reality of it. So these these sponsors and these opportunities and the entertainment value of jujitsu that's the key to getting guys paid and not make them go down this extremely difficult, forceful route. You know, like not everybody should have to open their own place. Like sometimes you just want to work for somebody else. You know what I'm saying? Like sometimes you're better off that way than you are like having to run your own spot. How many people do you see fail? You know? So, um, it's, it'd be amazing if, if jujitsu, and I I really do believe that quintet is the key. Um, EBI is it's its own aspect you know IBJJF has its place combat jiu-jitsu has its place you know but I think quintet is just like 
it's the one, bro. I can bring a guy in who doesn't know anything about jiu-jitsu. I can show him quintet. I can get him involved. You know what I mean? And just talk to him and just say, hey, like, look at this, look at this, look at this. And it's constant movement. It's exciting. Like, you know, it's like that may be the key to getting people to watch it. And that may be the key to getting people paid, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think that if you can, all you need is one of these big platforms to, to make that jump kind of mainstream. And all the other ones are going to benefit off of it. Because I, mm-hmm. I, I don't view it as something like where, where you know, like you see the UFC and it's like, damn, the UFC is kind of like the gold standard in MMA. Yeah, you have Bellator, but most of the big shit that's happening is in the UFC, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I look at jiu-jitsu a little bit different. It's like I look at it as more of a circuit, you know, and you got Fight to Win, you got EBI, you got Polaris, you got these different circuits and the athletes are moving in and out of them and you're following those athletes on those circuits. And I think that something like um, the quintet would be, you know, another event on that circuit, but it would be one of the bigger, more popular, more, uh, you know, events with some substantial potential to bring money into the game. And what's crazy, dude, is that, you know, it's been hard for a long time to get real outside sponsorship money into jujitsu. It's just usually it's like, hey, we're just dividing up the same pie. It's gi companies and clothing companies and mat companies and training gear companies, but it's all jujitsu stuff. Mm-hmm. And with this like uh, high rollers, cannabis infusion money, you're starting to see bigger names and a lot more dollars come to the table into the jujitsu scene. And, and it kind of made me chuckle. It's like, dude, nobody wants to put money on jujitsu except the cannabis world, which is, is fucking <laughs> hilarious. You know what I mean? When yeah, you really think yeah about that's it, great. You know? It's great, man. I think, interesting enough, um, I think that when it comes to that kind of stuff, like, hey, man, give me some money. I want to do this thing. And you're like, all right, cool. How do I benefit? Why should I give you money? This and that, whatever. You're looking at sponsors. It's all about knowing who you're marketing to, right? And unfortunately, marketing to jiu-jitsu people is most of the time a fruitless endeavor because, <laughs> like, you know, it just is. There's just not yeah. enough of them, like, you know. Like a t-shirt, man. Like, show a million people one t-shirt design. That's a decent design, but show a million people that design. And you're going to have a percentage of people that like it um, just because it's a nice design. And then you might have a percentage that's into it or whatever. But it's never going to be 100%. That's a million people. When you market to jiu-jitsu people, man, you're only going to market to like a couple thousand people at a time in most cases because the jiu-jitsu world, is so divided it's incredible like you know you have guys that assholes yeah dude like like i'm not even gonna talk to that guy because he doesn't train in the gi i'm not even gonna do you know i just did a a seminar and they had like a guy videotaping and stuff he did some interviews with some of the black belts that were there whatever but like i didn't get interviewed and i don't know why i didn't get interviewed but i had a strong feeling it's because i'm not a real black belt you know what i mean oh yeah i don't don't wear the gi you know like i just had this feeling and i was like man maybe you know and i'll never take that stuff personal but i just thought about that i was like man like that stuff's still real so it's like uh you're just marketing to this like weird divide it's a small niche to begin with but it's divided so it's like you know you see the rash guards coming out they're like fuck the ibjjf rash guard that comes out and like people are sharing it and then like that just you know and then that plays into that culture they're like oh okay yeah. cool like I, I know dudes will buy this it's polarizing you know it becomes even more divisive stupid. it does man yeah, yeah you- it's stupid 
you're right, man. It it, it is a weird thing, um, but I think if jujitsu can get exposed to a wider audience, and I think it is being exposed to a wider audience. I had a I had a situation on Friday. My nephew and I went somewhere in Stockton, and Stockton's fucking crazy. Like everything you've heard about Stockton is extra true. Yeah. And, uh, and I had on this Tenth uh, Planet Jiu-Jitsu shirt. I, it was like the play off the. Uh, uh, I think it was like a Pink Floyd album cover or something like that. I don't know. Uh, anyway, and this lady's like 53 years old or something, man. She's like, oh, Eddie Bravo. Oh, man, I love Eddie Bravo. And I'm like, for real? <laughs> She's like, yeah, I love Tenth Planet. And I was like, do you do jiu-jitsu? She's like, no, I don't do it. I can never do it. But, man, I love Eddie Bravo. And I was like, what? That's crazy. It just It just tripped me out. And I thought, man. It has a reach, dude. A lot of people know about it. A lot of people. Man, what a unique, what a unique experience, man. That's awesome. Yeah, like I never, I don't think I've ever gotten anything like that before. But that's that's pretty sweet, man. Yeah, like it's it's weird. It's divided. So anyway, what what I meant to say was like it's it's kind of a fruitless endeavor most times because you're marketing to this weird divided community. And even if they were, even if everyone was unified, it still would be pretty fruitless, like for the amount of money that people would need. Like, like you were saying before, like, okay, here's a hundred K. So you have five guys, you're going to have at least two to three alternates. So, so now you're up at like eight guys and then you have a coach. So let's say everyone gets a hundred grand. Now you're in like the eight to 900 grand area. Right. What kind of companies have that money? Cause I can tell you right now, you're, you're not getting that from zebra mats you know what i'm saying you're not getting 900 gameness. grand from gameness will you give know. you uh it'll it will give you 10 free geese a year <laughs> <laughs> yeah you see what i'm saying like it's not that those i'm not yeah. trying to say those guys no don't i have get it businesses yeah. but yeah like you don't hear about those guys giving out hundred thousand dollar sponsorships to people you just don't so um and i mean i ran uh i started and ran the bjj box for a while right like and people would tell me all the time um about the bjj box right like i have no idea that i was involved in it and they'd be like yeah man i reached out to this company the bjj box and i was trying to get a sponsorship man but they only wanted to send me boxes you know and i need my tournament fees covered and this and that and i'm thinking to myself like bro i'm making after everything's done i'm making a thousand dollars a month to run that company and it's like a full-time job like and now you want me to send you a piece of that like i'll give you a piece i'll send you five bucks that's about what i can spare when after i pay my bills you know like Bro, like, and then look at that, like, man, it's a huge company. Like, why? Because we have good Facebook ads and, like, we have, like, a nice social media. You think that we have, like, a trillion dollars. Like, so the jujitsu companies themselves, so they're, they're kind of caught in this middle ground. But if we can find a way to get people to watch jujitsu that aren't from the jujitsu community, so, like, MMA, you have guys who don't train anything and they watch it and they buy the shirts and they, they do the things, right? So, like, yeah. now we can get those good sponsorships. It's like, now we can you know, start to do that thing that we want to do because these bigger companies are going to be like, wait a minute, you guys got regular people watching this stuff? All right, cool. Regular people love my company. So here, here's some money. You know what I mean? <laughs> Sell them some Reeboks. Yeah, exactly, man. For real? Look, yeah. okay, you got a Reebok t-shirt in Sakuraba's colors, and I don't even care if you put a stanky old face on it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm probably, I might even buy it. I might right. wear it. Uh, hell you yeah, I mean? dude. Yes, I do know what you mean, man, for sure. You know, it's one of, like, with the podcast here, there was a moment, I don't know, sometime probably halfway through it, it, we've been doing it since 2012, where where I realized, like, dude, I'm not going to do this with the idea of making money off of it anymore. Like, I'm just not going to fucking do it. It's too stressful and it's lame. Like, this is just going to be for fun. As much fun as I could possibly have, and I'm going to fanboy out. 
and talk to all the dudes that I love to watch under the guise of an interview or whatever, you know, talk about whatever's important in the grappling world. Fuck no, man. This is for me now. I fucking love it. I love talking to you guys. I love picking your brains and kicking ideas back and forth. And everyone else gets to listen in, but it's a lot funner that way. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Versus having to stress and struggle in that sense. But I feel like, you know, now if there are good companies and, and, and people who are kind of savvy and smart, man, there's a lot of potential in the jujitsu market. I'm just surprised no no outside company has quite found it yet. That's what it is, man. That's what it is. We need to show somebody. We need to show Reebok or whoever it is that we got to show that there's some sort of like opening in jujitsu that's going to be there and all these people are going to watch it that aren't divided by some sort of weird niche thing or anything like that that they can market to, man. Like like I said, I, if I bought a Reebok shirt that had Sakuraba stuff on it, I'd be walking around a Reebok shirt. I have no reason to buy Reebok anything ever, like for, for any reason at all. Right. But all of a sudden, hey, look, it has Sakuraba. I'll, I'll buy that. If I was just walking into the mall and I saw it hanging up in a window, I'd say, like, oh, that's Sakuraba. I, I'd probably just buy it right then. You know what I mean? Like, Dude, I you know, would be more inclined to buy it because it was a Reebok Sakuraba shirt. You know what I mean? I'd be like, look, yeah. I'm celebrating this. This is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's what Actually, I'm saying. So you just got to, like, get that market. You know what I mean? Like, just make them think that there's a market there that they can benefit from. Because, you know, if you try to take a jiu-jitsu company and you get them to talk about it, like, man, hey, go tell this. Oh, hey, God. this is my buddy. This is my buddy so-and-so. He owns, uh, you know, whatever. Whatever some, company. Some Brazilian hey. guy gets on the phone. Yeah. I love everybody. Yeah, dude. No, no way. So anyway, yeah, I think so, man. I think it would be great to see that, that come in and, and stop forcing these guys to have to, like, pimp themselves to make money you know what i mean like you do all these seminars and stuff dude like it's cool but like god dang dude let me tell you like i do an ungodly amount of seminars just so that i can like save money and do things while i'm young and like bro it's rough like i didn't hardly compete this year because of seminars and opening a new school and like all these things that set myself up financially financially at the end of the year this year i'm gonna be like great you did better than you've ever done but like as far as like my competitive career goes i'm like man i did very little this year to do what i want to do you know what i mean so yeah dude i had uh this uh black belt his name is tony pazinski i don't know if you've heard of him he's a, a carlson gracie black belt been around for a long time pretty business minded and it, he was on the show a long time ago but he made a statement that was like damn man it always resonated with me he said you know it's almost impossible to be a warrior and a merchant he's like yeah. it's just it's a hard balance to find man to to be the guy going out there on the stage doing it and the guy who's selling it you, you know it's tricky man it's it's just hard to do it is man it's it's incredibly difficult to fill the shoes you know on both ends but you know like it's just the thing it's it's the problem that we're presented with jujitsu and the thing about jujitsu is is when we're presented with a problem like if you've been in it long enough to get a higher rank you're just going to try to solve it. You're not going to look at it and go, that's not worth my time. That's probably one of the biggest lessons I've learned as a business person is when to look at an opportunity and go, yeah, that's probably not worth my time because I'm just like, well, you'll give me 200 bucks if I drive three hours to talk to these people. That's for real. Three hundred. I'm going, let's go. Yeah. Yeah. Right, and then at right. the end of the day, I'm like, bro, I'm exhausted. And I, Oh, look at all this. And I made like 300 bucks. I'm like, was it really worth $300 to do this today? You know what I mean? But I didn't even question it until I did it. So it's just like, it's stuff like that. You know what I mean? So 
I don't know, man. I would love to see money get involved in the sport as, you know, I just think it's like the next evolution. I think we're there. I think we're right on the cusp of it, and I don't think it's going to go backwards. I think the momentum's going forwards. I think guys like Eddie Bravo, guys like Seth Daniels, the folks with Polaris, the the uh, even as much as people talk shit and they, they dislike them, dudes like Halleck Gracie, all those guys pushed it forward, man. They all had a hand in kind of like throwing something out there going like, we think it should be this way. We think it should be these rules. We think it should be this format. And now, you know, the shit that people like, it's sticking and it's staying and, and people are, are following it. And obviously, there's some money in it. It's not a ton of money. But, dude, you know, the the Danaher boys have made a, a, a nice little chunk of change off of off of EBI. Yeah, man. I get this World Series of Grappling that went down today. 20 grand to all of the black and brown, black slash brown belt division. Everybody got 20 grand that won those divisions. Dude. That's mean, a that's lot nice. of money, man. That's a lot of seminars. You know what I mean? Hey, bro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're like, bro. Bro, it is. That's a lot of $300 trips to, for people to listen to you talk, dude. No, listen, man. My seven. Okay, so first, <laughs> my, my seminars are $300, but <laughs> I can't put that out there into the world because then people are going to call me for that. It's uh, not true. I'm, but, I'm uh, just messing around. Sorry. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, like. You're right. It's a ton of money. Imagine just imagine going today. You go to a local jiu-jitsu tournament. You're like, yeah, I'm going to have like three or four matches today, whatever, whatever. You do your thing. You win. You're not hurt. You're like, cool, man. I, I won my division. And instead of like some $2 crappy medal that you're probably just going to throw into a box somewhere when you get home, they hand you $20,000. Uh, my life just changed a little bit right there. Yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? For sure. Yeah. You just got a down payment on a house. You know what I mean? It's like, what the hell? Like, yeah. That's yeah, awesome. man. I mean, you know, uh, uh, John Kalstein won EBI, and uh, he only had one overtime, right? So he got like 15 grand or something like that. Uh, he bought a car. Like, yeah. oh, you didn't have a car? Like, no. Nah, you know what I mean? Whatever. He bought a car. Like, that changed his life. I was like, man, that's incredible. Yeah, that's when you feel good about the sacrifices that you're making. And I think it's worth that much. You know, I think those guys are worth that much, and they put out that much. Overall, dude, uh, real quick before we jump off, impressions of uh, the quintet. Obviously, the 10th Planet guys did really good. A lot of exciting matches. It's, it's a bummer to see um, Richie potentially get, get hurt maybe. Uh, you know, It's a bummer to see your team lose, but, man, some real nice matches out there. Mm, yeah, man. I, um, I'm a fan. I'm sold. It, you know, They would have to make some major changes to turn me off at this point. Um, uh, you know, I've, I've pretty much competed in or have seen most of the bigger formats in jujitsu and, um, there's nothing that compares the level of excitement that quintet brings, man. There's just nothing like, like, dude, I've watched my guys I look up to go on tears at the biggest tournaments. You know what I mean? Like I, you know, watch these guys do awesome things and it's exciting, but Watching Geo go out against Gregor Gracie and thinking to myself, like, oh, God, look at this monster that Geo's about to go grapple. And Geo ultra kamoring this guy Ooh. and me just, like, almost crapping myself when I saw it was just like, oh, that's it. Like, I, I was like, man, I'm probably going to fall asleep during the next match just on an adrenaline dump after that. Dude, it's crazy, dude, right? That was insane. What a big moment, right? But then the crazy thing, which makes those matches so dramatic, 
is as soon as he gets through that victory, Marcin Held is like jumping up on deck, like waiting to take his head off. You know what I mean? You got like three minutes to enjoy your win, and you're right back in the frying pan again. Yeah, I just think that unpredictability, man. Like it's like Game of Thrones out there. You know what I'm saying? Everybody's getting killed. You don't know what's happening. So it's like, you know, I, I was just I'm blown away in the Hasim Rita thing at the last one, right? Like Hasim Rita's killing everybody. He goes out, he beats Boogie, and I'm just like sweating, bro. I'm just like, oh man, this guy's a behemoth, bro. He's killing people. Geo goes out there, and I'm just like, God, so dude, like on his neck, injured. He's already hurt. Satoshi Ishii like basically fractured his arm. You know, and I'm like thinking to myself, like, bro, my guy, I mean, these are my boys, like, these are my, my, you know, like my brothers, so to speak, and I came up with these guys, like, you know, they're not just like, you know, I'm not just a fan in that way, like, I'm thinking to myself, like, God, dude, Gio, don't get, don't get hurt, bro, and then he chokes the snot out of that guy, and I'm like, ready to tear my TV off the wall, like, you know what I mean, right. like, it's just, I don't know, man, it's just so dramatic, you know what I mean, and, and I think that that just brings something that we needed. Um, we don't, a lot of the events don't have those big pre-fight things and the build-ups and all the things that the UFC has and all these other things, so we just gotta sell it with what we do, which makes it even that much more powerful, you know? Yeah, 100%, man, I agree with you. Hey, Sean, I know you are a couple hours ahead of us, man. I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with us today on Inside BJJ, man, in, uh, also, dude, you know, just as a as a personal note, dude, it's uh, it's a real pleasure being part of the Tenth Planet family. You guys are fucking dope, and I'm really, really super stoked to be part of that crew. Yeah, man. Well, it's super exciting to have you, bro. Uh, I, I, I uh, I'm sure you guys probably don't remember, but I was a random, maybe white belt, maybe blue belt. I can't remember. I was at Gracie Worlds when I first started jujitsu. You guys were there for you know hanging out, or maybe you guys did a podcast. I don't, I don't know, but but one of you guys gave me a T-shirt. And uh, it's like an inside BJJ t-shirt. And uh, <laughs> I will never forget because I was like, you know, this kid from Alabama, like South Alabama, I was like 22 or 23, like, you know, brand new to jujitsu, competing at Gracie Worlds. And you guys gave me that t-shirt. And I was like, oh, my God, dude, like, that was the coolest thing ever. Like, this dude just gave me this t-shirt, you know, like, and I still have it today. Like, I still have it. My wife's like, why do you have this shirt? It's like old t-shirt you know what i mean yeah. i'm like i'm never like getting rid of that t-shirt what are you talking about <laughs> and so like when you when you join that the the team i was just like bro those guys are awesome like you know what i mean i, I listen to the to, to you guys' show or whatever too you know what i mean like yeah when i have time and i don't listen to podcasts like i probably listened to three episodes of joe rogan it was only whenever like john jock was on or like something like that so um you know, so, so yeah, man, thank you so much. I was super excited to come on. Like I tried to be all cool and stuff. Like I'm not going to be all fangirly. Like, no like, way, you know. dude, you guys are but fucking was, dope, dude. I, I look up to all you guys, man. It was a milestone for me, man. So, so thank you guys for having me on tonight for sure. Yes, sir. Hey man, thanks so much, Sean. Appreciate it, brother. All right, buddy. Talk soon. Have a good night. All right, bye. That was, that was awesome. We were talking about that when, when I took all that podcast equipment down there to Gracie World or Gracie oh, Nationals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the time, man. We were, we were just talking about that. You just talking yeah. about it. Dude, you know how many times I've like packed up all the fucking gear and drove it down to LA to like do a podcast somewhere? Especially in like 2012. Like a lot, dude. Sounds like some church shit. It was just me hustling it, just being on the grind. Oh, awesome. And then you talk to this guy. He's like, yeah, you gave me a shirt. And I'm like, oh, fuck, what? Like, oh, I'm so glad. <laughs> because sometimes, I'll be honest, like, I've blown people off just not trying to be a – not like, oh, I'm not going to talk to you. But people have hit me up, and they're like, hey, 
uh, we want to advertise this or can we get do this or can we do that? And like, I want to do it, but sometimes I just can't fucking do it. And yeah. it's like, shit, dude, I didn't do that. Or I never got back to that dude. And you know, I, I don't want people to feel like, oh, that guy's a dick. Cause I'm not trying to be a dick, but it feels good when people go like, I remember when you did that. Yeah. That was a yeah, fun trip. Yeah. You're like, thank God I didn't I'm like the Forrest Gump of jujitsu. I was at all those <laughs> tournaments, dude. It's insane, man. You don't even know what you're watching is like the ground, ground floor breaking. of something that's being built up. Yeah. yeah. Then later you're like, oh shit, it's pretty dope. Dude, I'm tired, Kenny. Dude, I'm, I'm, I'm thanks for tired, thanks for chilling with me. I I needed support, man. I needed another person here. Yeah. To trust. Sure, dude. You're so awesome. <laughs> it's so great to have you down. You're an amazing human being, dude. You know that. Ah, uh, dude, thanks. How much has jujitsu benefited you, dude? Benefit. How how much though? I mean, dude, it's, aw- it's awesome, man. It's definitely uh, changed my life. Crazy, right? Yeah, it's sure. insane. It's like a it's like a come to Jesus moment, but it's come to jujitsu. Come come to jujitsu every day. Come to Elio. <laughs> Put on your gi. Put a, fasten your belt. Don't mix your fruits and vegetables. I don't know, dude. Green juice. It's awesome, man. Juice. All right, hey, make sure you check us out at Inside BJJ on Instagram. Make sure you check out uh, at Tenth Planet Stockton. Uh, you could follow Inside BJJ Academy. We got a double lineage school, meaning we train in the gi, and we also do 10th Planet Stockton no gi, and it's pretty fucking dope. We're learning tons and tons of stuff. Uh, make sure you hit up Big MF. He's a pretty he's a pretty decent guy. He's a nice guy. I'm not sure what's going on with him tonight. Uh, and if you want to follow Sean Applegate, our guest tonight on Instagram, go to at Trapplegate. That's T R A P P. T-A-T and you can follow them other than that if you enjoyed today's show please leave us a rating and a review on iTunes subscribe and tell your friends keep up to date with all the latest news in mixed martial arts Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and submission grappling pro wrestling boxing you name it we got it go to InsideBJJ.com follow us on Instagram at InsideBJJ Twitter at InsideBJJ Facebook.com slash Inside BJJ Podcast.